Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. This is episode 117 with Carrie Ann Ryan. Yes, that's right. We have another romance author with us this week. I'm very excited to have her on, just like I was excited to have Desiree Holt on last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to Desiree Holt, I highly suggest that you do. She had over 300 views in like the first few days. (laughs) She's got lots and lots of fans. Lots of people loved what she had to say, all the advice she had to give. And it's just so nice to hear you know, about people's journeys as they're writing. She has a lot more books than probably most of us combined, but to hear how she's still loving it and how the process has changed for her and even how some of the books, as she said, had to go through the ringer. You know, it's, it's good to be reminded that everybody starts, you know, in that starting space and that we can get there too. You know, you just keep going. She deserves a place that she has. She's worked hard to get there for many years. So it was really fun to hang out with her. I also had just as much fun with Carrie Ann Ryan. She had lots to say about writing series, you know, sort of organizing her thoughts and her her stories. I don't write series. And so I am very curious about how writers organize everything and keep everything in the right place. And she has something very interesting to say about a certain character and a decision she made about that character. And we also talk about, you know, marketing and all the little things that go along with being an indie writer and starting out these days. So I am excited for you to listen to Carrie Ann Ryan. She has a new book coming out. So the info is below. And uh, we also talk about her cookbook coming out, which I think is amazing. (laughs) So of course we talk about all of those things and the links will be in the show notes. So this last week, as I attempt, (laughs) I attempt to write this next book, um, I attempt, or I am tempting fate by putting out my goals at the beginning of the week, both in the creative writing community we are, you know, putting out our goals for the week and sort of, you know, ticking them off as, as we accomplish them there. And in another writing group, I'm also putting my goals And seriously, it's like tempting fate because the minute you do that, the week just flies by. And all of a sudden you don't have your goals finished. <laughs> Anybody else feel like this sometimes? Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, due to certain dental and doctor appointments and losing 3000 words. (laughs) Yes. I didn't quite make my goal this week. I did recover the 3000 words. I finished that up today, but of course that means that I didn't advance. 
Yes. Right. So I was talking to um, one of my writer friends in the creative writing community. I was like, you know, it's not so much that I lost them, even though that stinks, it's that I can't advance today because I have to sort of rack my brain for what was supposed to be there in the first place. As Emma Desi told me when I told her, because I was feeling so poorly, I had to complain to somebody. She said, well, I'm sure you'll write it better. And that was echoed by another friend in the creative writing community. So yes, actually, I do think that I wrote it better, but it doesn't take away the frustration, right? So I did not make, I did not hit my goals this week at all. So my goals this week was probably insane anyway. My goal was to write 10,000 words. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, whatever, you know, you, you got to aim high. I think I hit 6,000. So anyway, that was only really 10,000 words is 2,000 a day because we sprint every single day of the week in the Creative Writing Sprints membership. And I run many of those sprints. So I am there. But yes, one of those sprints I spent looking for the folder rather just than just accepting that those words were gone. Anyway. It's all right. These things happen. You know, it is a good reminder to back up your writing. You know, just because you think it's up in the cloud or wherever, you know, Scrivener, yes, yes, everything always backs up and saves automatically. Well, just make sure that it does, right? (laughs) That's That's my advice. It was probably the saddest thing for me to have to go in and delete the word count from the other day and, (laughs) and have to just write zero, but that's all right. So we will all, we will move on and we will be stronger for it. There are some exciting things happening in the creative writing sprints membership. We've added more sprints. So we are sprinting twice a day, Monday through Thursday and Friday mornings. That was, we took away the Friday afternoon to make room for marketing sprints in the creative writing community. So if you don't know, we have two different communities over here at Pencils and Lipstick, all geared towards writing. So the creative writing sprints membership is, um, we have many hours during the week. You can find those on my website, catcaldwell.com, where we sit down together on Zoom virtually And we set the timer and we write, and it really helps to concentrate and to get things finished. It doesn't mean that you won't ever be interrupted in that time, but it helps us to develop the habit of writing almost every single day to focus on the writing at that moment. And, you know, if we have questions or thoughts or ideas, we sort of bounce them around on our mini breaks, and then we get back to writing again. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have them from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, and then 11 a.m. again to 12 p.m. Eastern. And then we do it again from 3.30 to 4.30 and 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Now on Friday, we don't have that afternoon one because in the marketing sprints are for the creative writing community in which we really get together and talk a lot about what it takes 
to be an indie author, getting published. Actually, we have traditionally published in there as well. You know, just what it takes to be an author and a writer and get things together. We have experts who come in and talk to us, editing experts, publishing experts. We've had a couple different, we've had, gosh, we've had so many people <laughs> come in, a couple different editors, a couple different workshops. Jeff Elkin has come in. Mal Cooper has come in to talk to us. They've Everyone's been so gracious with their time. And now we've added the marketing sprints because marketing is a big part of being an author, whether you're indie or traditionally published, you need to get out there and tell people that you have books and, you know, let them know that they're available for them to buy. And you can't do that unless you market. So we're going to add those marketing sprints there. Now, if you join the creative writing community, you are automatically in the sprints membership as well. You can find all that information on catcaldwell.com right at the top. You can see the difference between those two communities. For $25 a month, you have access to all the sprints. For $47 a month, you have access to all the sprints, plus the community, the expert calls, the marketing sprints, the masterminds, the one-on-one chats. Just had one today with my fellow writer, Ashley Kay, as she gets her book launched together. We just brainstormed, went through lists, made sure things you know, were set up, found some emails that she could send out all those good things. It's just nice to have someone next to you or cheering you on, helping you remember all the things that go into this thing we call the writer's life. So speaking of the writer's life, are you writing anything this year? Are you deciding to write your book? I really think that you should. If you have a story within you and you really want to get it out, it it takes a lot to write a story. It takes a lot to sit down and stay in that chair until the story comes out, right? Because it's not going to come out perfectly the first time around. Um, It might take some editing. It might take some different things, you know, different rounds of edits and maybe developmental edits and all those things, but you can absolutely do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can write your story. And there are lots of people out there who are willing to help you and want to talk to you about it. And that's partly why I have the podcast in which I bring in authors and publishing experts so that you can see that it's absolutely possible. But I also want to tell you about my friend, Tracy Skews. She is having a summit in which she brought in all these experts and authors together to talk to them about how you can establish a writing practice that works for you, find different methods to spark your creativity, to get going, reframe your project into manageable action steps, because sometimes just seems like too much, you know, hone your craft and your revision (laughs) and discover all the different ways that you can publish your work. So that starts actually today, but you can find it in the show notes. You just click on the link and you can get in there and you can listen to all these great experts as she interviews them and get inspired, get inspired to write your book today. I also want to let you know that Emma Desi is going to have a challenge coming up and a workshop, and we'll definitely let you know about that as well. We are all about collaboration here at Pencils and Lipstick. I want you to find the people that you click with the best. Now, without further ado, let's go talk to Carrie Ann Ryan because she has a wonderful story. She is clearly incredibly intelligent. You will find out why. She has all these degrees. (laughs) She writes some 
amazing series and has created some really, really solid fans that surround her and cannot wait for every single book that comes out. So without further ado, let's listen to Carrie on Ryan. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. I am very, very excited to introduce to you today, if you don't know her already, which you probably do, Carrie Ann Ryan. She is a New York Times bestselling author and US Today bestselling author. So congrats on that, on contemporary, paranormal, and young adult romance. Her works include the Montgomery Inc., Talon Pack, Promise Me, and Elements of Five series, which have sold millions of books worldwide. She's the winner of an RT Book of the Year and a PRISM Award in her genres. She started writing while in graduate school for her advanced degree in chemistry and hasn't stopped since. Carrie Ann has written over, well, this says 75, but we're going to say 100. A hundred novels and novellas with more in the works. When she's not losing herself in her emotional and action-packed worlds, she's reading as much as she can while wrangling her clutter of cats who have more followers than she does. Hello, Carrie Ann. How are you today? Hi, and uh, well, thanks for having me. And I'm doing pretty good. So, yeah, how are you? <laughs> well, I'm not sure that your cats can have more followers than you because I have heard from your fans. You have quite a few of them. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it is so, so fun to have you on here. I cannot wait to talk to you about your writing and your journey into writing as an author from chemistry. Chemistry and math and a little bit of physics. (laughs) This is very interesting. So we have all sides of the brain. (laughs) So I can barely, you know, put two and two together. So we'll talk about that. But before we do, can you give us just a little bit of background for anybody who doesn't know you? Um, So hi, I'm Carrie Ann Ryan. And yes, I have written over a hundred novels, which doesn't actually seem real, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I am a full-time indie author. And so I've been doing this for about 10 years, but I've been a romance reader for most of my life, other than that break when I decided to be just a chemist. Yes. <laughs> when you have other things to read, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like textbooks and things, which I hope yeah. I used to work writing on those too. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you've been writing for forever. I started writing, you know, you know, science papers and things when I was 18 in yes. college and grad school. And then I moved on to textbooks. I was in grad school because we were working on online textbooks. And then I picked up Twilight of all books <laughs> because a bunch of us chemists were sitting there and we were the only girls in a group of a lot of guys. And we're like, let's mm-hmm. just read something for us. And we picked up Twilight and then we picked up the House of Night series, and then the ne- then more and more young adult. And then we're like, is there something that's not for 18-year-olds? Right. And so then we picked up romance, and then somehow I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so after you got your master's, did you ever work in the chemistry or math field? I was a, I worked in teaching in chemistry and okay. math. But um, when I was about to like take the next step into postdoc and into professorship, or if I wanted to go into industry, my husband was also doing the same thing. Wow. And so we were like, okay, so we're in the same field. How are we going to do this? And I was probably 10 books into my career. Okay. At the same time. <laughs> and I was, so I was doing them both at the same time. And I was like, can I continue to do both? Or um, like my writing was actually doing really well, which was surprising that I had, 
this wasn't my plan. And suddenly I was doing really well. And so my husband was like, you know, why don't you make a choice and do something that you love rather than constantly having to compete with one another. Right. Okay. And, um, Cause we were going for the same jobs and um, we would get offered the same jobs and I would get offered less money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was like, you know what, you, know, you go for it. And so I, w- I followed him around for postdoc and then for his career. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So you're 10 books in, let's go back. Why did you start writing? And I mean, you're doing a master's, you're looking to do a postdoc. I imagine you're pretty busy, but you started writing. So um, I was, at the time I was going through some health issues Mm -hmm. while doing all of this and feeling a little disheartened and disenchanted with chemistry and math and just the field I was in. And I was thinking, because I started really young because I had skipped some grades and I was doing college courses while in high school. And so I'd had this set path since I was 13. Oh, wow. And I was thinking to myself, am I making the right decisions? Because all these people are so brilliant around me and I can do it. I can write these papers. I can do this research. I loved teaching chemistry, especially like general chemistry. So like really just sparks of what, what are the building blocks? Right. And then once we had, we had picked up twilight and we were reading more and more and I was finding the online community and I was like, you know what? I need a break. Let me just see if I can write fiction and something that's not impassive, something that's not so scientific. And I fell in love with it. I wrote a novel that will never see the light of day. It was just <laughs> for fun completely for fun. And, um, Rebecca Royce, who's an also an author, um, she and I were talking on Twitter and she's like, just have fun with it. Just see if you can do it. And so I started writing for the fun of it and it turned into something more. And she introduced me to a writer's group and it just snowballed from there. Wow. So you hadn't really ever looked at writing fiction before that. You just did it to sort of get a break, give your mind the story that you were looking for. I wanted to have fun. And the, um, the analytical part of me is why I write so many series and why everything okay. is spreadsheet driven on like <laughs> my book Bibles and things. So, um, I like to, you know, give an Easter egg for book 10, if I'm in book one, even if it's a complete standalone. And so wow. the analytical part of the business and being an indie author, that's the part of my brain that used to be a chemist. Right. So you decided to go indie right away from the beginning? Uh, yes, I was you know, still deciding if this is what I wanted to do with my life. And I was mm-hmm. still taking classes and teaching and doing all these other things. And I said, I don't really know if going the traditional route, the path I was in and the people I was talking to were all small press authors mm-hmm. that hadn't gone indie yet. And I was like, you know, let me just try it. The worst that could happen is I sell a book to my mother and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> do you let your mother read your books? <laughs> She doesn't really read romance, but really? they have all my books and are completely supportive. And yes. anytime I have research questions, my dad and my mom are always there and they tell everyone that they see that what I do, including like the <laughs> president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's a romance, but you, know, you never know. You never know. Or his wife, VP, she can be one. Oh, that's amazing. I'm glad that you have supportive people around you. I know some romance writers are like, no, mom, you are not reading my books. Like no, my <laughs> in-laws all read me. Also, like my grandmother-in-law, all my aunts-in-laws and my mother-in-law. I actually wrote 
three or four books sitting next to my mother-in-law in the hospital when my husband was sick. And so, because oh. I needed to work. And so I sat yeah. next to her and she read over my shoulder because that's what she does. So if I can do that, <laughs> I can do anything. You can really do anything. She's like, no, no, that's not how it should happen. You're like, what's next? <laughs> so you were, clearly your first book I mean, was it because it was selling well that you continued or because you kind of got invested in your characters that you continued on to the next book? It was both. I took about a year of researching indie romance before I even went into it. Okay. So it wasn't just, you know, put it up on Amazon and see what happens. It was, this was over 10 years ago. So this is before KU. This is when mm-hmm. Barnes and Noble was published through Puppet. Like it mm-hmm. was all these different things. And so, um, and like KWL didn't exist yet. mm and so I just went into it uh, going, okay, so, sorry, I've lost myself. How do, how do we do it and what's going <laughs> to yeah, happen? I mean, so 2010, I'm... yeah, I mean, yeah. Twitter was a baby at mm-hmm. that point, right? It was easier because you could find people. Yeah, I have lost so many people on Twitter a decade later. Yeah, and yeah, so, but the there were people book. looking down their noses, right? At, and I never, like, they... you don't put in who the publisher is. And if they think I'm a small publisher publisher that's fine with me and I made sure that my cover was it's exactly mm. what the tropes needed to be and what was working with those and um there were no pre-orders and so I put it up but I the first book did really really well okay like surprising me I d- still don't know exactly how that happened like it wasn't like there was ads or anything it just did right. really well and then so I catapulted with that and said okay so and it was a book one of a series when so you write the next one and so the way that I work is very schedule driven. So if I want, okay. if I know when the next book is going to come out, I know when I have to tease to get there. And so oh, I might write standalones, but I also sequel bait. Right. Okay. So let's talk about <laughs> that way. Of yeah. You have this analytical brain, you say, so you know already that you're writing a series, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> I mean, some people like write a standalone and then it does well, and then they write the series. So I can see how you can put, like you say, the Easter eggs in there because you know what's happening. So do you plot out a 10 book series? Like, do you know that there's 10 coming in this series or how, how do you start or how did so you start that? I'm a, I'm a major plotter and it's because I write what I like to read. So I like okay. to read series of standalones. Like if there's a cliffhanger, it's about the overall arc, not about the romance. Right. Okay. That's what I like to read. And yeah. so I'm watching like Malini Singh, their award. And then like, these are the people that I used to read in the paranormal genre. Cause that's where I first started. Mm-hmm. And so it would be these couples and it's this dramatic love story where the only convention, the only rule of romance is there has to be a happy ever after. Mm-hmm. So you know that at some point there's going to be one kind of ending, but everything else is up for grabs. Right. So that's what I like writing. And so that's what I was plotting towards. And so if I need, I need to know when I'm going to get the bad guy. Yes. In order yes. to do so for a longer series in paranormal, at least. And okay. so that means I need to know how many books are going to be in at least that arc. So, okay. Do, are you following the same characters? I know one of your, a couple of your series are following families. And so you have like the brothers and the sister that, but was your first um, series the same way? Was it, or was it My following? first series was the Redwood Pack series. And so it was about, I think, six brothers and a sister. And so okay. I knew each one was going to get their own. And I knew the bad guy was eventually going to get it. But when? And then I knew he wasn't the only bad guy. And right. so I plotted how many books I wanted. And I plotted who I thought 
a good HEA for each other. At okay. some point, I didn't know exactly how they would fit in until I was halfway through the series, but I kind of knew what order I needed to go in. So that way I could go there. If it was open-ended, I would get lost down the path. Right. I needed a set okay. path, but I don't plot out exactly the full outline of book 10 while I'm writing book one. Right. But you kind of know like who it's going to be about and how more or less where they're going to be, I guess, yeah. when it, when it starts. So you can, you yeah. have a, a distant like, point. I, said, I want, I know I want the young, the young sister who's, you know, 20 mm. and starting out life. I know I want her to be the last one because I need to change her a bit and break her a right. bit before we get there. But I right. don't know what I'm going to do to her before I get there. So I don't exactly know what her book's going to be while I'm on book one, but I do know that I need to get there. Okay. 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 So did you have all of, no, you didn't have all these written when you, when you published that. So nowadays they, a lot of times people have their whole series or pretty much done, you know, and then they do this rapid release. How are you doing that when you had the first one published, were you already working on the second one? So when I did it, I had the first three books written and a novella written. Okay. Did you already know this novella? Like this is the cincher, like this, you use the novella to get people hooked into the, into the series or was that just part the of novella the novella is book 3.5 and it was, I had an idea oh, and I wanted I to see that. if I could do it. Like, <laughs> let's try that. it out. <laughs> and so, um, I love it. and like the novellas are just taste and with the Redwood Path, the novellas I did were, they were actually after the HEA novellas. So those are about the couple of book one or the couple of book oh, okay. five in a different situation. And now I sort of write those into bonus epilogues and bonus content for my newsletter subscribers. Okay. But back then I made them as full novellas for a series. Nice. Oh, I like that. So I think as a writer, your brain's always going. And a lot of times you'll get back to maybe the couple you've already written a book on. You're like, oh, I wish I could add this in or, you know, what are they doing at the same time? So that's a really fun idea to just add it as book 3.5. I don't think I've seen that before. Maybe 10 years ago in paranormal romance, it was happening a bit more. Yeah. Like now, um, in order for a full book to make sense, if you want to write about that same couple, you have to break their path. And yeah. so I don't want to break their path to make a novel worth it. Right. And so now it's, well, here's scenes or slices of life. I can write about that couple or the series that I'm releasing right now is the Montgomery Inc. series. And so, and that's contemporary. And so I know that, uh, book four releases in February. And so with that one, yes, it's about Paige and Lee, but we also know that book one's characters, like, are they going through issues? Are they having a baby? And it's the timeline of, wait a minute now, are they married yet? And so, so therefore that's me and using my spreadsheets and my timeline to make sure like, oh. okay, so what are big dramatic moments that have to happen for each of these characters? Cause it's not just like off into the sunset. Like these people still exist in this world. Right. Yes. Yes. And I, I do think that sometimes something that, uh, that new writers forget, like they'll focus on the new couple or the new book. And it's sort of like the others are just suspended back here, you know, or every once in a while they'll make an appearance, but you bring the, them in as the timeline's going on. Yes. To the point that like you're in a setting. And so the family is a character and mm-hmm. in this series, they actually all work together. So you're going to see them as side characters, but um, it's, we also don't want to make sure that it's not so overwhelming. So you're having a full cast of 80 people sitting in this one book. And so I try not to do that either. So it's 
So I'm trying not to make it so that way it's all completely convoluted, but also you can visit that one person. And so that's why um, all of my contemporary books are technically connected. So all like 55. And so, 55. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> but the thing is, is if they really aren't as connected as you might be thinking. And so what mm. I do is they're all set in the same world because it's contemporary, mm. but you can like write different series where they're set in different worlds because you've like changed, you know, a, a made up town or you've changed what's the major coffee place in this one, you know, things like that. Right. And so what I do is every time someone gets married into the main Montgomery family, I see, do they have some siblings that could use some romances too? <laughs> right. Okay. So you, you get to add on to that. And if they live in the same area, then it's okay. I, they need to go out for dinner. Well, can they go to a restaurant that one of my other characters already own? And so that's not going to be important to a new reader, but to an old reader, it's an Easter egg. And they're going to be like, wait, I know them. Yes. Oh, I love how you do that. You're really, that's a great way to tease your writers and to keep your fans going, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because your fans are very, very super fans, as I've said before. Uh, How did you choose the setting? A lot of them are set in Colorado, correct? Mm -hmm. So So how did you choose that? Sorry. It is where I met my husband. It is where I went to college and it is where I drove the most. So I know the area more. And um, with Colorado, it's you have the mountains on the west, so you always know what direction you're going. And there's the major cities, but it's not so. It's not like Texas where I live now, where you drive by, it takes four hours to get to the next city, (laughs) or on the East Coast where it takes thirty minutes to get to the next state. Sometimes, (laughs) right, right. So it had exactly the perfect, I guess, geography for what you wanted to set up, and it's nice to sort of know the area. So then do you use things about the area, the places that you've been streets and sort of have that in your head or do you make up? I made up one main street, which I call Montgomery drag in my head where uh, a lot of the main businesses are. And it's a fake street in between two real streets. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. And so when my uh, fans actually visit Denver. They always take a picture of the clock tower and are like, Hey, this, where's the real street? Where's that tattoo shop? I want to visit. It's like, <laughs> like, no, it's like, I wish it really existed. Right. I know. I know. We always can get lost in our own worlds. If, if only the city planners would talk to us. And I know. It's like, hi. <laughs> but I like how you did that because I talked to another writer, I think last year, and she said that she grew up in New York. And so she was using all these sort of landmarks and then, you know, things come and go from business and then whatever is gone, her fans would be like, excuse me, that is no longer there. (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry. And I like, like, there was like touchstones that I try to do because it's a, Denver's a real city. Fort Collins is a real city, but um, also I don't want to make it. So it's, evident if I make a mistake I don't want it to be like this glaring obvious thing the series that I'm writing right now that starts this year is actually set where I live now but not okay (laughs) okay so sort of in the Texas world yes so like South Texas so it's like so uh, like when my editor who's never been here and it doesn't know San Antonio at all, she's like, is Riverwalk one word or capitalized? I'm like, let me introduce you to San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The only place in America who has like 
caution hot on hot coffee cups. <laughs> There's no railing on the river walk. Yeah. I don't understand this in San Antonio. Like it, it makes, <laughs> it boggles my mind. <laughs> like, well, I mean, if you, a lot of people fall in and then they just get right back out. Cause it's not like it's deep. It's a man-made <laughs> river and they clean it often. You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> yes. You can't see the bottom. That's why she's doing air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. they're they're working on it right now, so they're shutting down a lot of the streets that I have in my book because oh, they have to go scrub out all the bird <laughs> junk in there. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, that'll be fun to see that. Some of my family's from there, so I'll have yes. to pick up your book and see if I remember San Antonio. Let's go a little bit into your spreadsheets because I know some romance writers who are in these like 10 and 12 and 15 book series. And sometimes they they say, I, you know, I have to keep my timeline straight and I have to remember who's doing what and where they are in this, you know, this point and in this book. So can you give us some tricks and tidbits on how you keep that straight? So the main thing that I do with timelines is I always write down like the month and the date and the year of when someone gets pregnant and when they have a kid and when they get married, because you're never going to get baby math, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. And a, a lot of my uh, characters don't actually have kids because it's their choice, but it's one big thing. But the main thing I do is I may write contemporary and it is, you know, real life, but it's also a fantasy. So my characters will fall in love sequentially because <laughs> I've written books where they all happen within like the same year. And mm. so I have to go back in time going, okay, where was this person during? And it's, it's so complicated that I make mistakes or it's just not fun anymore. And it makes mm. me not want to write that. So, you know, there is, so once Annabelle and Jacob are finished with their romance, a few months will pass and suddenly it's the next brother's turn. And uh, okay. that's just what I've learned to do. So that way I can enjoy it even though it isn't real life because siblings don't take turns falling in love. And <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, like 200 years ago, yeah. no, the oldest sister must marry yes. her. They <laughs> cannot get married right now. <laughs> exactly. Once we barter her off, then we're fine. But <laughs> yeah, um, we will sell her. <laughs> I actually do a lot of my world building in Microsoft OneNote. And I know a lot of people okay. use Scrivener too. And so mm -hmm. with Microsoft OneNote, it's, you know, each series has its own book, notebook, and then each book has its own tab. And then within that tab, I have uh, character outlines, character descriptions, you know, major notes. And it's really helpful for me because I'll, earlier before I was even walking here, I thought of an idea for a character who I know is coming up in a couple of years. And so I wrote that that down on their tab. Okay. So I'll get to so it. You're just constantly <laughs> sort of making yeah. notes. Yeah, I like I like that. Yeah. So are you you're working on something now, but that you're making notes for for a book in the future? Your 150th book. You know <laughs> yeah, gosh. <laughs> so are you? Well, it'll happen. It'll be four more years <laughs> in the past. So how much time do you do you take? thinking and writing out the notes. Cause I, I do think a lot of times when we first start out, we have this misconception that writers just like sit down, write a book and it comes out and then they sit down, write a book, you know, it comes out and we don't ever really see the background, you know? So you're saying you have notes and character arcs and backgrounds written down. How important do you think that is? And how much time do you think that writers should 
or maybe that you so take on I, that? I plot by series. And so right now I know that the series that I have in my head that I'm working on get me for the next two years. Okay. So two years ago, I first right. thought of, you know, I need something to fill in 2022. Yep. So what can I do? And so that's when I started thinking, actually, probably like three years ago is when I started thinking about like in the back of my head, how can I blend this into worlds that I've already created? Should it be something new? And that's the business side of, okay, so you're going to say standalone, but you need a lead in at this point because there's so many books. And so Mm. how am I going to connect it? And so since I'm writing the series at the time, that's later going to spin off into something else, you know, now it's you know, it's three years ago that I'm thinking about this series. And then the series comes a little bit more cemented as I have an idea about a year later. And then okay. in the next, by the time it's released, I've spent, you know, probably about a year doing research on this, on what I want to write on the business side of it, making sure like there is no original idea, but it's also making sure I don't write the exact same idea of a book I've read and so that takes yeah. about a year and the next year it's me going with my editor, making sure that this makes sense for just one book and then talking right. with my audio team and my uh, cover team and designers and finding a brand and a feel and a tone. And okay. then about uh, nine months from release, I start plotting that book <laughs> and then, wow. I, and then I, I write it pretty quickly. Like I can okay. write a book in about a month or less, but it's, oh taking, me, it's taking me, Two years of research right. and having it cemented right. in my head to get to this point. <laughs> right. Right. And then it takes like four or five rounds of edits and then there's print galleys and that's stuff all I do on my own, like with my team, but. <laughs> right. I, and I think that that's an important thing to understand, especially as a, as a starting out author, because I do see a lot of almost this maybe self-imposed pressure of this, you know, rapid release or whatever. But if, if you don't understand that the work that goes on behind it, you could say, oh, it takes me a month to write a, a novel. And <laughs> probably some new author is like freaking out because. Yeah, that's going to be, be like, the, let's not use that as the clickbait for this headline. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it takes me, four, it takes me four weeks to spew out words that I need to fix later. Like that's right. not actually writing the book. That's right. just putting it out there and using my outline that's de- decently detailed, but not like per sentence. And it's just, you know, spewing it out there, making sure. And I write in order. So, cause I can't write like chapter 20 before chapter three. Like I have mm-hmm. to just go in this timeline. And, uh, but it took me two years to get to that point. Right. Yeah. And then it takes but at that point, you know, the character, right? Like, and I, I, I know what I think the character needs to be, but I don't know their voice yet. Unless I'm like book six in a series and then I've heard them. Okay. Okay. So with a new character. Do you, do you ever get to the point where you're like, no, this is not his voice. I have to throw this out. Or have you gotten so much research that the voice comes pretty Well, at this point, because I've written so much, Mm -hmm. I don't throw away as many things as I used to. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this makes perfect. Last year I threw away 50 K like 50,000 words. And I was like, nope, this isn't the right book for this couple. Like I can't do them justice. And I wasn't in the right mindset. And so I started over after all of that. And it, it turned out to be a much better book. It's actually a book that releases in February. (laughs) But ink trading. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I took them on a whole different path, which was good because I actually didn't reveal who the hero was to this book until right at the end of the book prior. 
Wow. So, like nobody okay. knew. Like when I revealed the cover, I didn't reveal the blurb because I was like, you guys can't know who this is. Like it's secret, which was very good because I rewrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's all these little things that we do that sometimes don't make sense. When you look back, you're like, oh, it's like my mind knew that that was not going to be exactly. the right <laughs> That's pretty brave though. Cause 50,000 words, like the book is two thirds of the way there yeah. almost done. And you just scrapped it. Yes. Started over. Wow. It was a lot of crying. I, I do a Zoom call every mo- <laughs> every morning. I have a Zoom call with some of my friends, and uh, we've all thrown away or completely started or moved. You know, book two needs to be moved to book one. Like we've done this before, but mm-hmm. they don't usually see me do it. So I was like, "It's fine." They're like, "It's just breathe through it." I know you're having a panic attack, but it's better than the ulcer. <laughs> like you're fine. <laughs> oh no! I mean, it is one of those things that I think we get hung up on, like but I did so much work and there's so many hours and days, but you know, like you have that gut feeling. Like in my head, those 50,000 words ended up being like a character sketch. So now I really, really knew them. And I fast drafted the the next book because I knew them so well. Right. Right. Yeah. Nothing's ever wasted. Right. It it helps you get to know Mm -hmm. the characters. Exactly. There you go. That's amazing. So inked craving is coming out February 15th. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it or is it, can you reveal anything about it? So um, I write by character, I'm character driven. So like I Mm -hmm. have to know the characters first. And then because I write romance, I also, and I'm my own marketer. I also write by trope. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, I knew what, so when I rewrote the book, I knew what tropes was going into it. And so with this one, it's Paige Montgomery and Lee. So Paige throughout the entire series has been with this one guy. And she's been happy. She's the youngest Montgomery. She's waiting for that ring. She's excited. And as she's, you know, it's candlelight. Everything's wonderful outside. There's fairy lights above her. She's ready to get proposed to. And her boyfriend says, I got a job. I'm moving. Goodbye. And so. Oh, <laughs> When I say. You might make a band of man. But the thing is, is like they've been together throughout all the books. And so most people, I assumed I was going to go write their room and no, like that's what I tried to do. Yeah. That's too easy. Yeah, right? No, no, I'm not going to do that. It's, you know, he wasn't right for her. And, but her book is, um, it starts with, uh, you know, instead of walking away with a marriage proposal, she ends up brokenhearted and pregnant. Oh, oh there's the twist. <laughs> there's the twist. Oh my that's gosh. what changed. It was like, I need more angst because that's what I like. And so, um, yeah. She ends up like, I'm going to do the single mom thing. I can do this. You know, I'll try to be open about everything. But all of her family is, these are amazing people who are supportive, but all she, she sees are people who they have their lives together. And yeah. She doesn't. And yeah. so she leans on her friend who is like, I can totally help you with this. Don't worry. Like, you don't want expectations. I won't be that guy. And things progress. And <laughs> Oh, we always love this. It always makes me, I love those kind of stories. So did your fans know this guy before? Yes. I guess he's a he's friend. Been so he has been book, in And they assumed that he was going to be a novella coming up. I'm like, now he gets his own book. <laughs> Look at you. You found a way to surprise your biggest Which fans. Which never That's happens. Amazing. Like I, it's really hard for <laughs> me to like, because I do lay pads and we're romance readers. We can spot a pregnancy trope a mile away. Like we know. So it was, it was fun to do something different. Well, I think it's, it's interesting that you have the trope before you're, you know, what you're going to use, but you have so many characters. So how, 
how do you make a fresh character and, you know, not sort of copy the same person and use the same tropes? Do you find that difficult at all? Or do they just sort of come to you? I'm actually in the process of a new series that starts at the end of the year that I haven't even announced yet. And I'm at that point where I'm trying to like lay out some character sketches of who they are. And it's really hard because I want to make sure that these are new people. And like some of their voices Mm -hmm. are in my head, some of them aren't. So the people that aren't are probably not going to be at the beginning of the series. Yeah. And so make it easier for yourself. And it's very much, uh, you know, there's a bunch of things you can do. And so maybe just don't pick the same two that you did for the last series and blend Mm -hmm. them together. Like this, this one is if you just do tropes, which we all know that if you, the tropes work, but it's how you blend them and how you expand them is what gives you the book. And so with this one, it was, you know, brother's best friend and pregnancy trope. And yet that is 10% of the book. Right. And so right. now yeah, so you I have to throw in there together again for the rest of the series and things. Yeah. Interesting. So do you take people are you a people watcher? Like do you find things that you then from around you that you put into your characters? I mean, not in the last two years. I know, like when I left the house. house, (laughs) Yeah, now it's like music feeling, like feeling with music or Mm. I've been I literally just watched Encanto for the 50th time before we started this. And so I had this idea for a family saga in my head that has nothing to do with that. But it's also like, that's just what sparks inspiration. But I used to be able to people watch and to see, but now I can't leave the house. So, yeah, I know. I, I hope someday we can leave. The I know. House again. I <laughs> but how, how was COVID for you? Were you able to write as much as you usually I write more than I usually do because you i'm on it like that zoom call with my friends and we're like we know reality is hard and we discuss business and we discuss life and covid and science and then we're like okay we're sprinting because we need to do something and so mm-hmm. i wrote more words than usual i really see more books than usual just because it was desperation not actual mm. enjoyment <laughs> yes they say yes and so like this year pretend we can travel i actually have trips coming up with family and a couple book signings and so i won't be writing as much thankfully oh hopefully <laughs> you'll get out then hopefully i won't have done i know and then if it does oh. then i guess i'll just have to write another book <laughs> whatever oh, <bummer. laughs> it's a good thing you like what you exactly do. you um, <laughs> is covid gonna appear in any of your books or are you just going to ignore it right now so like I said, I write romance. And so in order to write romance, I need a happy ever after. And I need an ending in sight. The reality that we're in does not have an ending yet. <laughs> There's no ending. <laughs> That's so true. Some people can ahead of so them. do it. But like, I don't, I physically am ill thinking about the fact yes. that there is no ending in sight. And it's just this. Yes new normal and when I lost my husband the phrase new normal wanted to make like made me sick like I hated that phrase that yeah. people gave it to me and so it's just encapsulated into this idea so no it's not going in my books yet yeah yeah I'm about ready to crush the last two years and just pretend that they never yeah. happened and they're never going to appear in my books although I did read one book um that was released and she used the shutdown in her book and she did it well. I think it. I think we're going to have to be careful not to overuse it as indie authors. But, you know, maybe because it was the one and only book. I know. And there was like TV <laughs> shows that made it like 
like quarantine. Yeah, is you can thing. tell the TV shows, can't you? Because there aren't as much many people. Like, there's no background like, Oh, you made this. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're in New York City, and there's one person behind you. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then, like in the Matrix movie, in a fight scene, like three of them were wearing masks, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I haven't seen that. One. So, sorry, spoiler, guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right there's a fight scene it's in the right. matrix okay i'm just letting you know i i have three um preteen teens so we we only watch what they like to watch i don't in this I, household i've been watching um like kanto ted lasso and um my little pony on repeat over and over again because like i my books are so heavy right now that i needed something that means nothing you need some light <laughs> yeah. ted lasso is hilarious yes yeah. we so. say it's light and then there's season two but like Yes, this is But true. there's still hope and joy. Still, yes, he's, I mean, he's just a funny, goofy character, right? So we, yes. Um, I mean, with lots of issues. Anyway, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, go get it. <laughs> go watch it. Um, that is one thing that I did get to watch before we started Marvel and all of the, oh, I've, all the things that branch out from I've me. watched all of that in order to, and that I love what Marvel does with their universe because it's standalone connected. And that's what I'm trying to do too. Yes. That, yes, yes, that, this is true. Um, I'm quite impressed with it because I did not grow up with it. My brothers weren't into it. They were more G.I. Joe guys. So this is actually the first time I'm like, oh, look at that. Look how they're connected. Oh, really yeah, cool. so that's what I try to do too, where it's that Easter egg for someone or you can just enjoy the book slash movie. Yes, yes. So right now you're writing contemporary. Do you, will you ever go back to paranormal? Do you ever go so like, jump around a, in your series? I took a three-year break from paranormal. And then right now okay. the Ravenwood Coven series is my newest paranormal. And it, the second book came out this month. And then oh my, I know. How, how many books did you just have come out just this year? <laughs> I had, so because of a scheduling issue, I had two. But it's not usually two in a month. I'm not that person. Okay, okay. I was like, wait a minute. Was it I wrote them in a different spot. No, but um, mm. but I'm coming back to the pack world, which was the Redwood Pack started me. Okay. The Talon Pack yeah. really elevated my paranormal brand. And I'm writing the Aspen Pack this year. And book one releases in May. Oh, yeah. my goodness. This is an exciting year for yes. you. So why did you decide to carry your name instead of using different pen names for I mean, it's romance, right? But some people are really into how you shouldn't have, you know. Yeah, because it does affect you use different like, your advertising with. and it does affect branding. But my whole thing was I write the same. So my brand is Irresistible Characters, Seductive Romance. And so I have one heat level. Mm-hmm. And it's all about characters and family. If that family is blood, maid, or pack, that's what I write. So if they're growly guys who work in construction or growly guys that turn into werewolves, it's still the same idea. Mm-hmm. I like <laughs> yeah. that. And so so you're, what, what is your heat level? Explicitly high, but not, I'd say it depends on who, like who you're reading. But yeah, I'm, this is true. I'm not what? near Tessa Bailey heat level. So pretty spicy. Okay. <laughs> pretty spicy. Yes. No closed doors. Not at all. Very explicit, <laughs> but not like it, it's erotic romance, but it's not erotica. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. So I I just talked to Desiree Holt and she she's um, claims the title. <laughs> is yeah. she? Is she? Yeah, she claims the title of oldest living erotic author, erotic romance. Author. I love her. So she so she she is wonderful. 
Um, she goes, they just want, the readers just want them to get to know each other, have a problem, great sex, <laughs> happy ending. That's it. <laughs> like, yes, well, you make it sound easy until you sit down to write exactly. it, you know? <laughs> so when you came out with that 10th novel and you no longer pursued chemistry, did you have any idea that it would be 10 years later and you're still happy in this? You're still going, you still have all these ideas? No. I thought it'd be a good job to have on the side of my husband's job. And then um, it escalated to a lot more than what it is, like what it was at the time. And yeah, I'm very happy with the success I've had because of my readers and the fact that I didn't sleep for about a year. But like, <laughs> <laughs> kidding, I do not work weekends. So like, I actually do work a okay. good schedule, but um I never imagined I'd be where I am. But even then, like I work with people who are even at higher levels than me. So I always want to keep reaching for better, more goals. So that way I don't get bored. Yeah, (laughs) this is true. I'm glad that you're not bored because I mean, I think it's interesting. The more, almost like the more you write, the more ideas you get. And then you just feel like you have to write faster so that you can get to the next next I'm trying to slow down. And I keep saying, I literally just hired my first personal assistant to help me social media like in the past six months, because I've been doing everything wow. on my own. I keep oh, telling wow. Brandy I'm going to slow down. And then she just laughs at me and I don't understand. I'm like, no, this is me slowing down. She's like, no. And it's because like, I also do my own translations. Like I hire a team for that, but like I'm in charge of all of that. So because we're doing an indie mm-hmm. too. So it's just between that and then audio and just everything just keeps adding up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So how, how do you do that? Your own translations, you find your people or do you speak different languages and you overlook no, I have an editor for English for a reason. So <laughs> <laughs> I barely speak one exactly. of <laughs> um, No, I have uh, a team for Italian, German, and French. And I think French came to me, but that was, it's just a symbiotic relationship. Like they're an amazing like if they're a translating yeah. team, so it's, you know, a certain set of editors and the proofers plus that, and then I get it. And then, um, there's all that time. Cause I have an amazing cover artist who, and we look at what's working for other languages for my type of books. And so we're sitting there going, okay, right. we can't use the same cover as English, but let's have the same feel. And so it's very much like, that's the business. So part. lots of meetings you have. Yeah. And yeah. it's a lot of me sitting with the movie on in the background and just, researching what everyone else is doing and what's working and trying to see like what a trend is. And right now the mm-hmm. trends for everything are just so everywhere. So as long as you find your own little niche, you're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very smart of you to, to research that though. Cause I, my husband's from Spain. So we go over there often and I'm, I always go into the bookstores because the book covers have changed in the last 10 years, but they're completely different than they are in the States. And some of the book covers from the States they've tried to use in Europe and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Well, it's what's just... funny is in Europe, at least like not now, but like eBooks were a later development. Mm-hmm. And so especially yeah. my French print is like, that was what started versus eBook. But so like my German print have a completely different cover than my German eBook. Oh really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So the German ebook, oh, is, the German that. ebook is nearly identical to my U.S. ebook, where they're spicy, but they're still all clothed, <laughs> like yeah, for Amazon guidelines. But uh, my print is very much the wispy colors and the 
pretty fast. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So I, I would assume just, I've lived in France and Spain. Uh, my German friends would, were definitely head of, of the French and the Spanish on the eBooks, mm-hmm. but audio took a while as well. I'm not there, there yet. So are you, so, wait. Yeah, I, I don't know anyone in Europe that listens to audio. They just figured out podcasts. Well, um, I know. Family. I have a podcast. You should be listening. There's more. I think I'm in a German marketing group in which it's mm-hmm. the German audiobooks are almost in like the middle of the revolution of changing things and increasing. But okay. It's not something that's on my pipeline because at some point, like I need to not spend everything that like it's it's a lot of money and like I'm doing yeah. decently well and I love my job, but I also don't want to throw away thousands and thousands of dollars with each book. And I have a huge backlist. So it adds up. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. So you are like, you are the head of the business. You are where everything stops. So I, I would imagine that takes up quite a bit of your yeah, time. I, um, I write in the mornings and then work out to okay. lunch and then afternoons are all my admin time. So it's, okay, let's uh, make sure I'm all scheduled with my covers. Let's uh, write that newsletter. Let's look up trends, let's work on ads, let's do those edits, let's mm-hmm. things like that. So as long as I get my words in in the morning, then I can spend the afternoon doing all the admin work and then doing my best not to work on weekends. Well, you have that boundary. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the book calls, but you're right. We should have boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> we should not let the book control our lives. So what would you say? I mean, you have a, a huge backlist. So for people who are sort of starting out or only have a few books, do you think it's more advantageous to keep going with the books or to sort of dip their toes into that business advertisement area? <laughs> I mean, I guess we're always on social. So you're kind of always doing a little bit of marketing. Um, so it's hard not to, obviously. It, it depends but. on your budget. It depends on what you like doing. It depends on what you're good at. I mean, I have some brilliant friends who want nothing to do with the business aspect. So they either mm. have an actual CFO that does everything for them, or they went the traditional route because that's just not something mm-hmm. that, that stresses them out to the point that it's not, it doesn't have any thrive. Like there's nothing pushing them towards their own books, but, um, my thing is, is the best promotion you can always do is have the next book. So if, if you're just starting out, I don't even like to do ads until like you're really ready for them. So do you have the budget for them? Okay. And if you're just, thro- if you're throwing tons of money on book one, well, where do they go after that? Yes, you can send right, it to your right. newsletter, which is what you should do because you should have a newsletter immediately with book one, like a website and newsletter first before even social media, if you have to do something, because that's okay. what you control. But um after that, like I would, you know, if you're going to do that rapid release schedule, then put in the money once book one releases so that way you can push through pre-orders of the other two. And if you're not doing pre-orders, mm-hmm. then then it changes how you're going to do your money. Figure out what you're good at and write mm-hmm. down what you're good at and then write down everything okay. else that you need to do and figure out what you can place. And later on, once you have the means and capability, who you can hire. Because you do not have to do everything. Yeah. I don't do everything. Right. You keep <laughs> saying you have a team. Yeah. Like you have, have people an, that I are have around an editor, you. a cover artist. I have translators. I have someone who helps me cast my audio. And now I finally have Brandy after 10 years of doing it myself. And she helps me with my foreign social media. I do my own social media for everything else. But I have an, an aggregator that posts it all for me. So I can schedule. I schedule it all on a Friday afternoon. 
for the next week. And then I don't Mm -hmm. touch it. Right. So like part of my admin time is making sure that I'm ahead scheduled according to my calendar that's color coded. And then I never touch it again. And I don't spend hours and hours and hours on Facebook unless I see something that's shiny and that's different. (laughs) (laughs) The red cat videos are totally different. I I have uh, the time screen time on my phone for TikTok, So I'm not on there for longer than 15 minutes a day. I can do that. That's a good idea. Yes. I, I have stayed away from TikTok. I just, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm too, I'm Don't too out it. of it. Like, I know <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have to put those boundaries up. That's for sure. And I think, um, I think what's interesting is you having done it, you know, if you get, a VA right away, sometimes you don't even know what to tell them to do if you haven't spent that time really sort of seeing how you want your social media, how you want it to be, because, you know, you have to make those choices on how much you're going to share and what direction your social media is going to go. Right. And if you haven't done that experience, you might not know yeah, and you might, <laughs> how to and tell you might them not what to know, do. Like exactly what you need to do. And that's why, like I say, write down that checklist of what you do for mm-hmm. each release and then what you're good at and what you might want to do next time. And then you can incorporate it if you can and hire someone later. Um, Brandy, like she handles my review team now and I'm slowly introducing her to my uh, reader group. So that way she can interact with them too, which I love. I'm in there. Like it's me in there. Like it's, if you ever see a mm-hmm. post by me, it's me. But um, I also would like them to have a little bit more fun rather than me going, Hey, I have a book. Hey, I have a book. Hey, here's a photo of Chris Evans and cheese. And here's a book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and you've mentioned cheese. So what's up with the cheese? (laughs) So it started as a joke in one of the original Montgomery Inc. series where, um, like I was craving cheese and I was writing either I was, or my editor shell was craving cheese. And so it, there was a cheese platter in the book and then it turned into the second and another, the next book. And so now like the Montgomery's just love cheese. Like it's like, it's like a cult. And so now every time that like one of my readers sees a cheese meme or something, they put it in the group going, is this for the Montgomery's like a cheat? There was like, someone did a whole cheese themed wedding. And so they're like, is this the Montgomery Inc wedding? And I was like, that's, oh that's God. almost too. And so it's just <laughs> too much. I know. Or is it like, <laughs> Depends on the yeah, day. And so uh, <laughs> I have a cookbook coming out in June in which. Yes, I saw that. One of my, one whole chapter is all about cheese recipes. Like things you can do with cheese. I think that's an amazing <laughs> idea. We were, we, in our writing group, we were all like ooing and eyeing over what an amazing idea that is. And that comes out in June, right? Yes. So each chapter is about oh, a different God. original Montgomery to get ready for, because I'm writing the next generation. And so it's to get ready for okay. the kids. And so each chapter oh. is like, okay, so the vegetarian Montgomery's have a whole vegetarian. The people who like spicy food have a whole spicy food section. And so it was just, it's That's for an the amazing fans idea. and for cheese. And for cheese <laughs> and good recipes yes. and, and stories. I like food and stories. You couldn't, couldn't ask for anything more. So you have the recipe book coming out in yes. June and then Inked Craving is out February 15th. Yes. Awesome. Oh my goodness. And I'm sure you have more. Coming yeah, I have um, that. <laughs> like probably one every month this year, not November though. I don't have something in November, but oh. I know I just, I write a lot, a lot and I can't help it, but I like it. And that's why I write three different series at a time. So I don't get bored and my readers don't get bored with the same book, like the same family every month. Like it's different. Yeah, There's like a course. six month gap between books and a series. So <laughs> oh, I like this too. So last question. Okay. Do you, how many, 
words. You go by words on how much you want to write in a day. Do you go by chapters? Um, do you just go by a gut feeling? I go by chapter. I use pacemaker, which is the vellum and pacemaker are the two things I think that any indie author needs to purchase. But um, I try to write at least one chapter a day. And I know my chapters are around 3000 words. So. So you go, you get that. So do you write the 3000, leave it? Do you, do you write the full book? I know I said last question, but I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I write the full chapter. Like I can't leave a chapter okay. because okay. I have a whole cadence of, and I, I dictate too, because like my hands are numb because of my illness. That is what started me in this whole writing. So um, okay. I can't use the keyboard for longer than 10 minutes at a time. So I dictate, which hence why it takes four rounds of edits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, but I'll dictate and it takes me 30 minutes to get that one chapter. And that's around 3000 words. And I can't stop because I can't see it in front of me. So I need right. to finish okay. that chapter and that's, and that chapter is a scene. Okay. Okay. And then you don't reread it. You leave it to the end of the book to, to go back. I'll reread. Re I reread the next day so that way I can go over typos oh. and I can figure out where I left off. And then I start. So like and with my morning, again. with my coffee in the morning at 6am, I'll read that chapter I wrote the day before. And then I write the next chapter and then I move on to admin work. <laughs> there you go. Wow. <laughs> I like, I like your schedule. I also like the working out in the middle of the day because I have tried forever to wake up early to, and I don't and understand these bitter. people who wake like I'm tired, oh, bitter, so and mad. like hungry. I don't understand. <laughs> yes, and it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> Who's out there? So I'm with you. I'm with you on that. We are afternoon exactly. worker hours. That's the thing. Exercisers, I guess. Well, thank you so much, Carrie and Ryan. I am going to have the links to Inked Craving in the show notes, link to your website, which your website has pretty much every social media link. Yep, on it, and then a link to the to the recipe book. Is it for pre order? It or is uh, ebook. Okay. ebook, and then the paperback has like special images and things for it. Ooh. Okay, so we'll have the pre order link there as well. Thank you so much for Thanks coming for on the show. Me. You're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils Olympic podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one -on -one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.